is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minter, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Don't say it, Your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholtz and sports director Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning and welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. And for the first time in over two months now, I believe. Yeah, it's been a little bit. I'm in studio live. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Caleb Henry's in studio live. I'm Caleb Henry. That's right. And Kenny Larrabee is in studio live, running the Facebook Live at KLI and Huskers. We are here. We are assembled. I feel like I just yelled, Avengers! <laughs> or blew into a conch shell like Ron Burgundy. I don't know, something. But we finally are back together uh, after various uh, reasons for being apart and taped and pre recorded and whatnot. And we've got. As always, regardless of where we are in the calendar, a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Husker Hoops in action today. Still looking for that elusive first conference victory. And we will have baseball in less than two weeks. Yeah. Spring football is right around the corner. We just had OG signing day earlier this week. Caleb and I will have our Super Sixes. Michael Bruns from Husker 24-7 is going to stop by and... Probably talk about all of the above because he covers all of the above. Right, right, right. And uh, I, I think I want to start with the way that the coaching staff uh, f- finished up that recruiting class because mm-hmm. you you got all the transfers, I think, out of the way. Maybe there's another one or two left. I don't know. You'll have I, something after spring, I would imagine. You will have something after spring. Yeah. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Um, but you're out of the way going into the spring semester because classes are underway. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you can you can technically sign up a little bit late mm. and, and get caught up on some stuff because there's there's the ad drop um, deadlines that you have for classes. That's getting a little bit into the minutia, but uh, but technically, yes, you still have a little time that you could do some stuff. Less than a one, less than half a percent chance right. of any of that happening. So this is the group you have going into the spring. Mm-hmm. After the spring, yes, you very much. I would say you're going to see both transfers in and out mm-hmm. after the spring, yeah. which is normal. Yeah. Yeah, the, and and just looking a little bit at what the depth chart looks like as well, uh, you're you've got a log jam at some positions. So yeah, I, I would agree that that will probably uh, end up happening. You'll see some turnover uh, yet after spring. But the, the way that the staff kind of finished things up, you you got the flip from TCU, which was. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. Brian Applewhite was just a running backs coach at TCU. AJ Allen was committed to TCU. Probably a big reason why is Brian Applewhite. Now mm-hmm. AJ Allen signed uh, coming to Nebraska, and then the last one was the wide receiver who'd been committed to Georgia Tech, Janarian Bonner, wide receiver out of the state of Georgia. Georgia's pretty talent rich. If you pay attention to college football, they just you know they just won the national title, and, and recruiting rankings usually have them mm-hmm. in terms of just talent in the state fourth behind your Texas, California, Florida. So. Uh, good get there. He's a four-star wide receiver, right at the right at the buzzer, basically of signing day, and and so you finish up. And look, Nebraska was not going to have a big class. I think we've probably all seen or heard some version of that statement made about fifty thousand times over the last <laughs> year. Uh, but this twenty twenty-two class finishes up forty-one on Husker twenty-four-seven uh, or twenty-four-seven Sports composite rankings. Jaden Gould is still the first. Uh, in, in terms of the highest rated, he's mm-hmm. the only one in the top 247. Uh, Anthony Grant, I think, is a big get as well. We're going to talk about our Super Sixes later on. Um, and then the the Ernest Hausman, if you go all the way back, I believe he was the first commit to the class out yeah. of Columbus, the linebacker. Um, you've got you, you've got guys all across the board in terms of positions. You don't have a lot on the lines. And that goes for the transfers as well. You do have two offensive linemen in the transfer portal. Um, and, and you did pick up a walk-on 
um, commitment this week as well. Right. Big guard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a little bit there. I know that that's one of the things that, that bothered me when people would look at this class and everyone, but what about the offensive line? But what about the offensive line? Well, you have a new offensive line coach. You've got a number of people who are coming back. Yes, you have to replace Cam Jurgens um, and Matt Sichterman, but you still have a lot of guys in the in the program. That was not yeah. going to be a position group that you saw overhauled the way you might see some other ones, where all of a sudden, yeah, there's some really good transfers coming in at the wideout position to go with what you have, or that quarterback room gets three new guys going into this spring. Mm. Like you weren't going to do that with your offensive line anyway. Right. And, and I'm so glad you brought that up because the way that everybody is going to view the 2022 season is, well, if you don't, if you don't go at least to a bowl game, maybe win seven games, maybe win eight games, it's not going to matter anyway. Because of all the pressure that's put on, because of the the lowered buyout, because of the salary cut, like all of these, all of these things point to this season meaning everything in mm-hmm. terms of what happens with the future of the program right. as is presently constructed. So the line it takes a while to get those guys going. Teddy Prohaska aside, as as he you know showed in his true freshman season, <laughs> and hopefully, I mean, he's if you, if you pay attention to social media, he's starting to get it going again. Uh, won't be able to take part, take place in spring practices, but uh, he looks like he's well on the way to recovery and 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 maybe able to get back for fall camp in the start of the season uh, for that left tackle spot. But the things you can do in an off season to impact the following season, outside of like going and getting an all American from somewhere and getting him right plug and play on the lines, uh, is is the other positions on the it's it's the skill guys uh on offense. Mm-hmm. It's it's the secondary because obviously you lost some pieces there, both safeties, two out of your three stalwarts, uh in terms of your if you include the nickel spot with Jojo Doman and mm-hmm. Cam Taylor Britt. Um in terms of all the guys that they got, the the skill players are where you can go to get instant impact mm-hmm. and i thought this was interesting this is from mitch sherman from the athletic out of the 12 offensive skill positions uh newcomers that they'll have for 2022 whether the portal or even in the recruiting class uh nine of those 12 pick nebraska on or after that december 15th early signing date mm-hmm. nine of the 12 so you're talking about A.J. Allen, Anthony Grant uh, at the running back spots. You're talking about DeColdis Crawford, Janarian Bonner at wide receiver, uh, Trey Palmer, the transfer from LSU that Mickey Joseph brought over. These these guys are the ones that could potentially impact you the most in terms of p- players that weren't already on the roster. And this is where you're seeing the impact of, obviously, Mickey Joseph, but Brian Applewhite and Mark Whipple as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Donovan Raiola is going to make an impact in terms of what he can do on the field. He hasn't he hasn't really made his impact in terms of of guys that he's recruited right. yet. Uh, but again, you wouldn't see that impact come in 2022 in terms of a guy stepping right in unless you go find an All American somewhere. So yeah. that's why I feel like this staff did what they had to do in terms of what they have available based on what is ahead of them because it's 2022 make or break, obviously, and the most impactful changes you can make to the roster are those skill position guys that can step right in and we'll get to the defense as well but that offense can be completely uh energized by some of these guys and and you could very well see a couple of starters come out of those guys Mm -hmm. that they just got since that early signing date right and nebraska is obviously taking advantage of that cool i want to know your opinion on folks still lamenting the transfer portal um in particular, I'm, I'm going to point to an, an article that I saw from our friend Tom Chattel, um, where he was talking about how much um, this obviously really stinks for high school players, um, but how much this, what is the regular signing period, but now feels like the late signing period, matters even less than it has in the past, um, and that the transfer portal needs overhauled because of what it's done to the February signing date and what it's doing to high school players. Because I've got some opinions. No way. <laughs> Caleb Henry, very rarely opinionated. No, I, the the way that it's been this season has been a little crazy. And I think you're still seeing the effects of 
the COVID year and the havoc that that's, that that's wrought on rosters across the country, uh, you'll still have that for a few more years uh, with that extra, elig- that extra year of eligibility remaining for all these players. There, there's probably a way you can do it in terms of the calendar, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you don't need to restrict players on where they can go or, you know, they still have the one time that they can use regardless of when it is. Uh, and you're going to start seeing guys who want to transfer a second time uh, and, and maybe not as a grad transfer. The grad transfer thing will still be there, so you can still have guys get to a third school and be immediately eligible. But there, there's probably a way you can do it with the calendar. Like here, here's your cutoff date for this. You can you can declare yourself in the portal at any time, but it, it may be like a uh, kind of like NFL free agency where the the calendar f- starts on like March first for NFL for whatever the date mm-hmm. is for NFL yeah. free agency, and at that date, that's when you can officially sign your letters of intent to go to someplace else. I'd like to see a, a winter and a summer basically signing right, period. Right, right, because those are going to line up with your semester changes. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a post-spring deal, you've got until whatever it is, mid-August. But Well, I guess the start of fall camp is, is probably where you're <laughs> going to want to do it. So maybe the end of July, you know, is, is when that, that deadline is to, to have it. And then the window opens at the end of the spring semester. Mm-hmm. And then you have it at the end of fall. I mean, you could enter the portal at any time during the season, but that window in terms of when you can start committing to other schools maybe doesn't open until after the conference championship weekend, for instance, at the start of December. And then the window will close, you know, early you know, mid-January when most schools are opening back up for the, the winter semester. So um, th- those those dates, I think, can be changed a little bit. Uh-huh. I don't think you're going to be able to regulate any much else just because the NCAA is terrified of the Supreme Court coming back at them no, and saying, right. hey, man, you, you got yourself into this mess before. Mm. Stop it. Um, ultimately, I mean, th- is it a little bit unfortunate in terms of, of high school guys getting attention? Maybe, but I, I still feel like if a kid is going to put in the work and they're skilled enough, talented enough, smart enough, capable enough to do it, they'll get found. Mm-hmm. Like they'll go do it at a junior college. Uh, they'll go do it at a smaller school and then be able to move up. I mean, then you then you talk about well, hey, this sucks for the the you know group of five schools. This sucks for the FCS schools. They're just a farm system for the the Power Five programs. And maybe that's true. There's there's a bunch of stories about how you got active players on FCS rosters who are really good who are not in the portal, mm-hmm. but are fielding calls and emails and texts and DMs yeah. from Power Five programs, <laughs> and their coaches are like, "What am I supposed to do with this? This is crazy." Mm-hmm. That's not good, and I don't know how you regulate that. Um, There's got to be some kind of tampering control you can put onto stuff. You need to start writing stuff down into NCAA bylaw, I think, mm-hmm. to try to get these schools to to not just blatantly tamper like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, I mean, the, the freedom of movement thing is is that's kind of the deal now. You know, mm-hmm. like as much as guys like Tom Chattel or, you know, old older folks who who are not embracing the uh, freedom of movement. This is obviously a, a comparison that's been drawn a lot, but coaches have had freedom of movement forever. Mm-hmm. So power to the players, man. Well, and, and, they, they're the ones on the field anyway. Let them do what they want. And you give them the, the, the ability to transfer and you have immediate eligibility. Why shouldn't they be able to just do it whenever? Mm-hmm. Here's my thing with with all of it is that I will 100% agree that it does it does stink for the current high school athletes and it's going to for a couple of years. But that's just the circumstance that was laid out there. Mm-hmm. Um because of the COVID year. I not enough people continue to acknowledge what that COVID year is doing to the signings for high school athletes what that's doing for the number of transfers that you're seeing, the number of guys in the transfer portal, and not just guys for football, but what you're seeing across all of college athletics. There is an entire extra class of athletes in college for the next few years because of that extra COVID year. You're going to continue to see it. Nebraska volleyball is benefiting from it. You just had Lauren Stiverns and Lexi Sun come back. Right. You have Nicklin Hames and hopefully, hopefully Kayla Caffey if her waiver comes back. Mm-hmm. You have this for all of these other sports, but it's impacting. Think about it. Nebraska um, 
has Nicklin Hames coming back, and she's going to go play a different position for volleyball. But this was supposed to be when Kennedy or took it over regardless right. at center. Now, they're still making that happen because you have the athletes able to do that. But not everywhere is like that. That's why you're going to see more group of fives be a little bit of a feeder program for the next few years. Yeah. Because you have all of those extra transfers available. Um, and there's going to be guys that I don't know what Noah Walters would have done um outside of COVID years and backing up roster limits, um, but he's going to North Alabama. Would he have gone to a Power 5? Is there someone? Who, is there a smaller Power 5 that would have taken a flyer on him? I don't know. Yeah. But there are a number of guys that are like that, or very, at least very, very similar, that they would have been borderline Power 5, but now they're definitely Group of 5. Or they would have been mid-tier Group of 5, now they've definitely got to go find an FCS. Mm. You're going to have those guys just because of the numbers. It's got nothing to do with the transfer portal or kids today needing greener pastures and um, needing to go have that instant gratification. You can 100% point to the COVID year, and you've got more numbers than you're supposed to at the collegiate level. Last thing on this, and we'll get to our break, and Michael Brunson, our next segment from Husker 24-7. it's funny you bring up Nebraska volleyball because obviously they are in the the group of the haves. Yes, in the volleyball world, and so the haves are always. I mean, they're the rich are going to get richer regardless of the set of circumstances. And you got an all American middle blocker coming in. Yeah, yeah, that's that's nice. Um, so, but but then you compare that to the football side, and if you think about this from Nebraska football's perspective, who is decidedly in the have not category, mm-hmm. this is a little bit of an opportunity for. Those not for the have not programs in in football and in volleyball for the non Nebraskas to get a little bit of that trickle down effect. You mentioned Noah Walters; he's not at a Power Five school where he otherwise maybe would be if it wasn't for the COVID year. But now North Alabama gets to benefit, and right. if he shows out, if he makes if he makes the most of it, he gets the starting job. Mm-hmm. He has a really good freshman year, sophomore year. Maybe he gets a chance to move up to the F's, right. the, the Power Five level. Or may, maybe maybe if it wasn't Power Five, he just would have had more offers at yeah. the Division One level. Maybe he goes to a MAC school and he's able to shine in MAC, you know, yeah. something like that. Get a name for himself. And, and, but this is a, a chance for Nebraska, even um, just just a, a play a Power Five program that's a little bit lower on the pecking order. To, to have an opportunity to get some of those guys that may otherwise have gone to the upper echelon, the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Alabamas, the Georgias, and instead, those, those programs are taking advantage of that COVID year in some situations. Obviously, you have more propensity to go to the draft with, with those guys' rosters, but mm-hmm. you might have a few guys stick around that extra year because they want to win a national title because they, you know, they, they came up just short the year before in the playoff. Now, instead of getting this guy that they were going to get transfer in, maybe that transfer goes to Nebraska instead. Yeah. Maybe that true freshman who was going to get recruited by Nick Saban, Saban says, oh, well, we're, we're going we're gonna to wait on that for a year because we got this guy coming back, or we got this transfer in because of whatever set of circumstances exists elsewhere. That trickle-down effect can help Nebraska football. Nebraska volleyball, at the top of where they're at, they're still going to take advantage as they always do, just like Alabama mm-hmm. football will. But Nebraska football being a little bit lower down the ladder, there will be other opportunities now for some of these kids who are good enough to play at the Alabamas, mm-hmm. but they won't. They just won't have the spots mm-hmm. because of that extra year that exists for the next few seasons. That can benefit the Huskers on the football side as well, and that will be fascinating to watch too to see how how the Huskers can take advantage of it. So, uh, so kudos, I guess, overall to to the way they finished that class up. Again, nine of the twelve. Offensive skill guys post December 15th in this transfer and 2022 recruiting class for the Huskers. All right, a lot to get to still. Michael Bruns from Husker 24 7 joins us. There was a football commit this week. There's maybe alcohol sales coming to Nebraska sports and sporting arenas. Uh, we've got captain's name for baseball, uh, and we've got Nebraska ball back in action today to get to as well. So that's all headed up your way here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along here on Saturday morning, it's the KLIN Husker Hour. Busy week for early February. It used to be a lot busier, though, of course, with... (laughs) 
OG signing day kind of being pushed to the side with the uh, the new one, but but here we are, and, and we're making it work. And now to join us uh, to talk a little bit about signing day, a little bit of hoops, a little bit of baseball, covers it all for Husker 24-7. It's Michael Brunts back on the show. Brunts, how are you? Hey, not bad. Good deal. Well, it, it was... Uh, it used to be a national holiday in your business. It's kind of gone to the back burner, but it was still a little bit exciting this week for the Huskers. They got a couple of flips on signing day and was just talking previous to you coming on in the last segment that nine of the 12 offensive skill newcomers in the transfers and the recruiting class that Nebraska got here were on or after December 15th, that early signing date. How much will the impact of that group of of newcomers impact the 2022 season do you think uh a lot i mean i I think you know nebraska needed to add depth at at wide receiver for sure and i I think they did that um you know they got trey palmer from lsu uh isaiah garcia castaneda from from mexico state who i think is probably being overlooked in this class for what he is ultimately going to bring. I, I think he's going to, you know, be a, a plug and play type guy for them. And, and like you said, I mean, you get two four-star guys on national signing day in February, uh, including AJ Allen, who, um, you know, Scott Frost, that was the best running back. He saw film wise this year. That's, that's not bad. Um, and, and I, I think what you saw was you saw the, the changeover in coaching staff and getting Mickey Joseph, Bill Bush, some of those guys, out on the road, Brian Applewhite a, a little bit later um, to, to kind of help out there. But, um, you know, it, it's it's a unique kind of class for Nebraska because I think a lot of the, you know, a, a lot of kind of the firepower in, the, in this class is going to be, you know, the, the transfer guys. And I guess you want that, but at the same time, it's, you know, a, a very clear delineation of, Okay, we've got this this group of guys over here that need to help right away, and then this group over here that are largely gonna you're not gonna hear from for you know a few years more developmental guys. So I'll be curious to see if Nebraska does that going forward though, because that's you know the the benefit of the portal is if you need to reset things a little bit, you can do that. But I, I think that's a, a little bit of a dangerous way to live too if you're you're trying to kind of build a program. Yeah, I, I'm, let, let's dig into that a little bit because Michigan State has uh, made some hay in the portal again. They're one of those uh, top ten portal uh, or transfer classes uh, on twenty four seven Sports. They're tenth uh, with seven commits, right ahead of the Huskers, who got twelve commits uh, in eleventh place. Do you feel like this is a one time deal with this staff just kind of? Getting assembled on the offensive side, knowing that 2022 is a make-or-break year and they had to go find some pieces right away, or is it potentially a shift in mindset and, and, and utilizing that transfer portal every season to supplement what they're hoping to do with the freshmen and the JUCOs? Yeah, it, it's funny. I mean, if you go back to you know some of the conversation around the portal last summer, I, I think it was when uh, Scott Frost was out on the Big Red blitz or road tour or whatever they're calling it now. Um, you know, it was very kind of like, okay, you know, we don't really like the, what's going on with the portal. I don't know that a lot of coaches do um, in, in all honesty, but the, the reality is, is that's how the game is being played now. And, you know, certainly this year you needed an immediate infusion of talent. You needed to get two quarterbacks. You had to get some help at wide receiver. You absolutely needed to, remake your your special teams groups so i I think that is a reflection of kind of where nebraska is right now i i I think though too cole for programs like nebraska where you're a little bit farther away from talent um you know it it it, the the transfer portal if you use it wisely could be helpful i mean when you're you know the the second hat on a a table when a kid makes a decision i mean the way it is now you're kind of setting yourself up two years from now to, to potentially recruit that kid again. So yeah. I think they're always going to do it. I think they have to. Um, are, are you going to see 12 newcomers like that every year out of the transfer portal? I, I don't think so, but it's got to be something that Nebraska uses. And I think it can be especially helpful at certain positions, um, you know, thinking, you know, defensive line. I mean, if you need kind of those big space eating defensive tackles, um, it's a heck of a lot easier to go in, into the portal and do it than you know have to recruit elbows out against some of the top top programs in the country. So 
I, I think you'll see it. I don't. I just don't know if it's going to be, you know, to this volume every year. Michael, we 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 talked in the first segment um, about the transfer portal, and this has been my stance for a while, and I've said it a number of times here on KLIN. But the transfer portal is going to look different right now and be utilized differently right now and even next year, the next couple of years, than it is in 2028 and 2030. Not because of any legislation, but because of the expiration of those extra COVID years and what that does for the number of athletes, not just in college football, but all sports. How do you see that being um, a major impact on the transfer portal and the way rosters are put together right now? Yeah, I mean, I I think you're still seeing kind of the residual effect of that. Uh, You know, I I think the other reason that the portal's kind of taken off so much is you did have the addition of the one free transfer. And I think as long as that's there, uh, you're going to continue to kind of see it, uh, you know, take off. The the one thing that I wonder is if there's going to be kind of this natural correction, I guess, where... I mean, it, 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 it's basically a math problem, right? Like, there's so many spots in, in FBS football um, for, for guys to land in. And when you have a couple thousand guys in the transfer portal, there's just not spots for everybody. So that, that to me, I, I kind of wonder if, if kids kind of start looking around and saying, like, okay, you know, maybe, this, maybe I am going to stick it out for another year just because, it is a bit of a risk for certain guys that, you know, you're not going to end up at another uh, uh, FBS school. So the the other thing too, I I think that, you know, that you're starting to hear some rumblings of, you know, is is whether, you know, how you can kind of put some parameters on this, because I think the thing that's really hard for coaches right now is, you know, a guy can just enter the portal uh, whenever. Um, And and I I wonder if there's going to be a push to, maybe restrict it to certain times of the year or, um, you know, kind of maybe t- take a look at that. Um, so I, I, it's going to look different and especially by, uh, you know, five, six years down the road. But, you know, that, that also gets into the conversation of, okay, are these guys employees, you know, what, what's the status <laughs> of, um, and that's its own kind of, you know, big can of worms, but I, I do think it's going to look different. I do think COVID I, I agree is a part of that, but, I, I uh, you know, I, I, I do kind of wonder at what point players really start kind of understanding that, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it, when guys go in the portal, there's certainly success stories and guys moving on uh, to, to great places. But for a lot of guys, uh, the, the market maybe isn't what they think it's going to be. Michael Bruns from Husker 24-7 joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Bruns, uh, talking hoops, uh, Husker basketball is back in action today. Uh, they're tipping off at noon with the pregame right here on KLIN at 11 a.m. The standings are going to, uh, sh- it, it appears that it would be Nebraska is going to be playing a little bit lesser competition over these next seven games, that Ohio State game getting rescheduled notwithstanding. Uh, you're, you're finally playing a non-top eight Big Ten team uh, for the first time in 12 attempts. Uh, you've also been playing better with Trey McGowan's back in the lineup, uh, but at the same time, Regardless of opponent, they've they've struggled to close games late. Uh, Northwestern's at home today. Uh, they're actually favored over Nebraska. But to tell all those long-suffering hoops fans, is today the day that, that Nebraska finally gets that that Big Ten dub? Uh, I mean, I, I think you have to at least be intrigued by today's matchup um, to, to get that first win. I mean. You're right. Nebraska has been playing significantly better basketball with Trey McGowan, and I think you're seeing, you know, what what Nebraska was lacking with him sitting on the bench for the last two months. I mean, they they needed that voice and and that kind of consistent player on defense to kind of get things going. I mean, Nebraska's defensive effort has been you know, anecdotally probably as good as it's been since uh, early in the non-conference season when he was healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's a significant thing. I mean, I, I, you can kind of, you know, go glass half full with this and say, well, at least Nebraska's in a, in a chance right now to blow lead late where, you know, <laughs> you, you wouldn't have said that, you know, a month ago. I mean, it was kind of like, you know, how, how bad are they going to lose? So you know, that that's, you know, positive. I, I think that there's, you know, a feeling over there that they're close. Um, but, 
you know, they're going to have to shoot the ball well. The defensive intensity has to continue to to, to be, um, you know, on, on an uptick. And I, I do think, too, you know, the, the decision to kind of get the ball in Bryce McGowan's hands a little bit more, I think, has, has been a good one. I mean, he's playing some confident basketball. He kind of hasn't hit that freshman wall that a lot of guys do around this time of year. So, I mean, I, I think this is the – you're right. The stretch of games is where, if you're Nebraska, you need to start winning some of these um, because it doesn't get any easier once you get later into the schedule. So, um, who knows? Maybe you, you catch uh, Northwestern a little sleepy with the noon start. So, um, I was trying to remember the the exhibition game against Colorado. That was like an 11 a.m. tip, wasn't it? Maybe, maybe that's Nebraska's issue. They need to play games. <laughs> they just need to play games that don't count. Oh, sad. <laughs> that, that's that's still like the biggest outlier this entire season, though. Because I mean, that's a, yeah. it's a decent Colorado team, and you just you haven't been able to bottle that up since uh, since Halloween. So Nebraska's got eight regular season games left. It remains to be seen, unlikely that the Ohio State game gets made up, and then you've got the the one at least one conference tournament game. So you've got. Somewhere between about eight to ten games left. What would be a successful number of wins to feel like this last portion of the season went the right way for Fred Hoiberg? I don't. I I always struggle with this. I think, <laughs> like I, so, you, there's eight. Um, I would say I would probably put a likely over under for wins at two and a half or three. Like mm-hmm. somewhere in there, yeah. I think anything above that, I think is is you know you'd be feeling okay about. The, the thing that's tough though is when you start talking about okay, well, what, what's progress? What can you carry into next year? I mean, who's going to be back next year? That, that's <laughs> the biggest thing. Is like I, I mean, it, it's a serious question. I mean, yeah. the, when you're talking about guys developing and you know the Big Ten being a conference where you have to get old, I mean, it, it's. That that's what you know usually accounts for success in the league is having veteran guys that have been through it with talent and you know you look at the roster right now that, that it doesn't seem like there's a ton of guys that are, are probably going to be back so you know I, I, I that that's where I kind of struggle a little bit with you know this last stretch of what can you build around um, you know I, I think you just have to start playing better basketball and, and get a little bit of momentum around the program in general rather than you know, focusing too much on, you know, player A or player B. 11 a.m. tip, by the way, for that Colorado game. Yeah, that's 11. what I thought. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. it was the uh, ESPN2 special. It was. It was. Um, let's flip to baseball before we let you go. Uh, Huskers named four captains this week. Uh, you got the season starting in two weeks down in Texas. The the outlook for this team, I think, hinges on how they replace those guys in the outfield. Uh, and then obviously, I mean, starting pitching is, is probably an answer every offseason. Where is Nebraska at right now in those two particular spots? Yeah, it's, you know, going back to that conversation about COVID years, um, you know, the way that the schedule kind of shaped up for Nebraska last year, they didn't get a chance to see a lot of the young guys that you would normally see in midweek games. And, you know, when you talk about the outfield, um, certainly, you know, losing Chase Mason, the freshman in November, that that was a bit of a blow. I mean, he's a, you know, a potential first round type guy if you wanted to be, but uh, he chose football instead. Mm -hmm. So, now you're looking at, you know, probably Luke Sartori, who saw some limited at-bats uh, last year. He had, a, I think it was a broken hand or a broken wrist that kind of set him back a little bit. He's probably your guy in center. Uh, Leighton Banjoff, um, feels like he's been at Nebraska for about seven years now. <laughs> he's going to be an option in the outfield. I, I think he's shown at times that he can be a reliable bat. Um, and, and then beyond that, it, it's going to be a lot of new faces. Uh, you know, Garrett Anglin might be, somebody to watch. I know he had a really good fall um, at the plate and had a pretty good summer. Um, but, you know, that that's going to be, I think, an ongoing competition. And you might even have some opportunities for, you know, guys that, that you know, perform well in practice or in midweek games might be getting at-bats on the weekend just based on how things go. So um, that, that's going to be a big key, you're right. Um, and, and then the, the starting pitching thing, you got a lot of innings to fill now um, mm-hmm. with the midweek games. Uh, I think they feel good about Kyle Perry and Chase Shanneman uh, at the front of, of the, the weekend rotation, uh, depending on kind of how that shakes out. But 
they've got Mason Ornelas, who's a, a Texas A&M transfer at, uh, as a potential starting pitcher. Uh, Dawson McCarville, who's a transfer from Grand Canyon, is another guy that's in that mix. I mean, Will Bolt said this week they're stretching out seven or eight guys to be potential uh, starting pitchers. So it, it's a group that even though you don't have as much experience um, as maybe what Nebraska had last year, I, I think there's a lot more depth across the board than maybe what they had. So um, kind of a balancing act there. But it, the, these you know two, three weeks here of full practice, I think are going to be um, you know pretty intense competition for some of these at-bats and innings. Brunts, we talk about it with football, and we've talked about it with other sports, but you realize Leighton Banjoff, including this season, has three years left he can play at Nebraska? No, he doesn't. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah because he's, that, 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 when he when he jumped onto the scene, it was that COVID-shortened year. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, uh, he's been around a long time. I mean, it, it's... Uh, I mean, if Logan Smullers would have fallen in that group, too, um, on the football side, I mean, he would have still been a redshirt freshman this mm-hmm. coming year had they not burned his, uh, had he not had to start against Iowa. Yep. So, um, <laughs> there's, there's going to be a lot of like 26 year old seniors floating around, um, if they're not careful. So, wow. um, we're going to start looking yeah. like minor league ball out there. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, uh, it, it's how that how that gets sorted out, and it's funny too. Like I know baseball, um, you know, basically every team is handling it differently because some guy, some schools are saying, "Hey, we'll give you your extra year right up front and consider you a freshman." And I know there's schools like Nebraska that basically have said, "You know, we're going to keep your clock going, and then whenever you get to the end, um, we'll make a decision on what you want to do." So. Yeah. I I know it makes it makes it really tough when you're looking at uh, opposing teams or offense because yes. you don't actually know how old anybody is. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's a juggling act for uh, for the the players and the the coaching staff, and uh, of course for for the folks that cover them. Mostly the media, mostly, mostly an issue for us. We're concerned mostly. <laughs> That's all I care about. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, we appreciate it uh, covering it all for Husker twenty four seven. That's Michael Brunts. Brunts, thanks a lot for the time. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks, guys. You too. Take care. All right, Michael Bruns, a uh, lot to lot to react to there. We will do that when we come back, um, and and we will get to uh, the possibility of alcohol in in the the stadiums and our super sixes and our super sixes. Man, we got a lot to cover. Let's do it right after this here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Our thanks to Michael Brunts just joined us in our last segment. Talked baseball, basketball, football, the plight of the media (laughs) with all this COVID stuff. Uh, If you missed that or anything else, uh, you can always head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com. You can see the Facebook Lives. All archived there for you at KLIN Huskers. We are live there right now. Um, and let's, uh, let's dig into, uh, real quick before we get to our Super Sixes, cover some of the stuff that happened this week. Uh, baseball did name captains. Mm-hmm. There are four. Uh, you got Kyle Perry and Shea Shanneman on the pitching side. And then you got Cam Chick and Griffin Everett over on the, uh, the hitting and fielding side. Cam Chick and his seventh. Eighth, ninth yeah, year he, he as well. Seems like he's been around for a while. The baseball program, because of the way, he, here's the deal: because of the way it works in baseball for your eligibility to move on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you see it a little bit with football, but you you see it a lot with baseball. Guys go get time as a freshman, and it just feels like they're here forever. Yeah. It's the Mojo Haggy effect. Yes, yes, it is. And 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 it's it's good to have that type of leadership because uh with with baseball i mean in, in the outfield especially um losing all three of those guys that were uh, basically playing every inning mm-hmm. of the postseason they're going to need to reload there and uh cam chick is capable of playing in the outfield and the infield i'm interested to see where will bolt kind of deploys him maybe he plays a little bit of both earlier on to see where the other guys kind of step up and fit. I don't know that you're going to know where Cam Chick will be playing, for instance, in the 2022 postseason. Right. Until you know more about who the heck these other guys are. Especially and your new, step up. especially your newcomers. Yes. Where a lot of those guys are going to step up. Cause think about it. We, we talk about Leighton Banjoff. Mm. Um, how big of an impact he was in 2020 for that shortened part of the year. He was, he was like, hair. man, he is, he is the next coming. Like he is yeah. the next dude. 
Um, and then there was a little bit of a backseat last year. He was still productive. Yeah. He still contributed, but it seemed like it, it fell off a little bit. There was a little sophomore slump. He wasn't quite new to the scene and taking off. And Mojo got back to you know doing Mojo things. Yeah, and, 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 spot. and the experience of Mojo Haggy came through. Yep. So what can Leighton do this year? What can Are there other freshmen that can jump on the scene? We saw what Max Anderson did last year. Mm-hmm. What can he do this year? What's Bryce Matthews going to do? Like you, You've got all of these guys with... What are they going to do to follow up 2021? Yeah, Bryce Matthews, really good at baseball. He's pretty good. Really good. <laughs> also, uh, pretty good at baseball, Nebraska baseball overall. Uh, they're 25th in a uh, now fifth preseason poll. Uh, if you tally them all up, Baseball America had them 20. Perfect Game has them 22. Uh, D1 Baseball not ranked. They ranked 25. Collegiate Baseball ranks, I don't know how many, but they're 31st. Uh, with collegiate baseball and then uh, NCBWA, uh, National Collegiate Baseball Writers of America, their 25th preseason. Uh, that covers some baseball again, 13 days and change. They are down in Huntsville, Texas against Sam Houston State to uh, start off the 2022 season and defend their Big Ten title. Uh, let's get to hoops yes. as well because uh, I liked a couple of things that Brunts brought up. I wanted to dig in there a little bit as well. Bryce McGowan's, he is currently. Uh, owning the freshman record for 20-plus point performances. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was three by Dave Hoppin back in 82-83. It's now four and counting. He can still keep it going. Uh, they've they've been different ways, too. This is the the most impressive thing about Bryce McGowan's to me. I I looked at what he had done in some of these games because in the Rutgers game, he made those points at the line. He was 14 for 18 from the free throw line, 14 of those points from the free throw line. And then against Michigan, he made a season high for him, career high for him, 10 field goals. Mm-hmm. The Rutgers game, I think he only made like six uh, from the actual floor because he was getting fouled so much. So the fact that he has been able to find different ways to score, he's been able to score from the field, just getting to the rim, getting his three-pointers up. Uh, he's not shooting a ton from beyond the arc, but he's he's doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, and, and then he, he's still getting to the line and then paying it off at the line. Uh, the, so the, the versatility to his game is, is really impressive. And, and as Bruns mentioned as well, he's a true freshman. He hasn't hit that wall really where you, you start to think, okay, he's getting into big 10 defenses. These guys are going to put their best defender on him. He's going to start slowing down. If anything, he sped it up. Right. There is the possibility that the university of Nebraska has both the men's and the women's freshman player of the year yes. in the Big Ten Conference um, with what Bryce is doing, where it's it's impressive. And I, I, as Cole, we were both covering games on Tuesday, and Cole is covering the men's game. And every now and then I saw some tweets come out, this is your four-time Big Ten freshman of the week, Bryce McGowan's. Meanwhile, over and, there. And I'm at Pinnacle Bank Arena going, huh. Well, the five-time Big Ten <laughs> Freshman of the Week, Alexis Markowski, is uh, getting Nebraska through this one. No big deal. <laughs> so you've got some very, very uh, stellar play happening from freshmen, both on the men's and women's. Obviously, things are going different for their two teams. Um, women in action tomorrow, men today at noon, um, hosting Northwestern. And today, if you do go to that game, you will see the uh, Honoring Black Excellence mm-hmm. um, uniforms yes. that the University of Nebraska is wearing for the men. Um, women will be be wearing theirs i believe on tuesday Mon- monday wh- whatever day they play this next week so yeah and uh and and before we get to our super sixes in our next segment one more piece of football news dwight boodle is committed to the 2023 class yes he's the third commit there with gunner gatula and ben bramer uh the offensive lineman from lincoln and the tight end from pierce respectively so those three uh, are in, and I think people are are gonna be a little bit more excited throughout the uh, recruiting cycle this time around because it's going to be more of a uh, uh, more of an open class. It, more they need they need more pieces. They've got more room, and it's not going to be as uh, as oh this is going to be a smaller class. Don't get too excited about it. There's going to be less of that this time <laughs> around. So. For those of you that follow along with the uh, the, the Cruton season, I think uh, that'll be a pretty exciting time. So uh, let's take our last break. We'll get to our Super Sixes and a Sleeper 
Uh, we'll run down the, the entirety of this recruiting class and the transfer class. Uh, we're combining them. It's a whole new world out there, yes, folks. Yes, it is. Wow. No more of that February holiday. It's uh, <laughs> it's just kind of all over the map. But uh, Super Sixes are still here, and uh, Caleb and I are coming up right after the break here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Last segment here on the show. This is the KLIN Husker Hour, and we are going to run down our Super Six. It's very dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, we have uh, a sleeper as well. This is, uh, this is usually done just with the recruiting class traditionally, but uh, times change. We're changing with it, and mm-hmm. transfers are now included. They're they're basically part of the recruiting class, if we're yeah. being honest. So They're going to have an impact. Th- they, they will. They might. And, and you might see a, a transfer-heavy Super 6, potentially, <laughs> from, from either or both of us. So uh, let's dig into these. Caleb, uh, go ahead. You have the floor. All right. So we're just going to start at the top and work our way down. Yeah. Uh, my number one, Casey Thompson. Okay. He's a quarterback, and I think he's going to have the biggest impact on this team this next year. Um, number two, Trey Palmer. Another transfer. Mm-hmm. Wide receiver. But... You know what you're going to get with a lot of the wide receiver room. Obviously, there's some good guys that have been added. I want to. I think he's going to have an impact on the special team side of things. Yep. You got to get some coaching into that special teams, yep. but I think having him back there is a big deal. Got your signing day flip, AJ Allen, mm-hmm. um, running back position up for grabs, and his his previous relationship with Applewhite, I think, is going to pay off. I don't know that he'll necessarily win the job. I think he'll get some reps this year, um, but he's going to be a guy going forward for sure. Omar Brown, um, another guy as you go through there, transfer. you got to get some help in the secondary, and I think he's going to be another big one. Brian Buschini, I'm going to the specialist here. Okay, Give me the punter. Um, for what he's able to do, almost half of his punts inside the 20-yard line this last year, averaged over 40 yards a, a, a punt. Um, fun note, by the way, with him is that his wife, who was a Division One volleyball player, she's giving up the rest of her career to come pursue other opportunities in Lincoln and follow Brian here. Yeah. Um, so thank you to the Bushini family for coming to Lincoln, not just for football, but to be part of our community. Tommy Hill at number six, another corner, um, just really boosting up that secondary. And then that sleeper, Ernest Hausman out of Columbus, inside linebacker. Okay. We have we have a few similarities here. I like it. Um and and some some differences too. That's all right. Uh, I do not have a punter on mine. Uh, but I do have uh, a few similarities. So number 1 for me Trey Palmer. Mm-hmm. Um the the relationship with Mickey Joseph, the fact that he played at a big time program already and was able to make an impact on the field and you mentioned special teams, all of those things hugely important. Uh, and and if he's able to play in one of those three receiver spots, mm-hmm. uh, that will help go a long way for him be, making a huge impact as well. Omar Brown is uh, my number two. Same things you mean. I mean, secondary is going to be huge. I've got another guy uh, who's a DB on this list, and just knowing that you've got to replace a Cam Taylor Britt and being able to go down and get an FCS All American yeah. at the position is huge. Uh, Casey Thompson is my number three. Even though you're only getting him for a year. The fact that this year is making or breaking the, the potentially the, the Scott Frost era here at Nebraska makes him hugely important. Uh, I think he has. Doesn't he have two years of eligibility, though? Did he have two? I thought he had two. Maybe he might have two. I'm going to look it up. As always, the media plight is is there for everybody to see. We don't ever, we don't ever know, and it's hard to keep <laughs> these things straight. Uh, Tommy Hill is uh, another DB, and he's on my Super 6 like you. He's 6'1", 185. He's got the long arms. He's a track guy. Uh, He has, again, just like uh, Omar Brown, he's got playing experience. And just like Trey Palmer, it's a Power 5 playing experience transferring over from Arizona State. Uh, Anthony Grant uh, you go running back with AJ Allen. I'll go running back with Anthony Grant. I don't know if we're both projecting our potential starter. Uh, uh, maybe we'll we'll see. Uh, but Anthony Grant uh, doing what he did in the junior college ranks in New Mexico, 
um, leading them to a national championship. That that's going to be pretty impactful in the backfield. Uh, and then Ernest Hausman, you have him as your sleeper. I've got him as my number six. Okay, he's not going to make an impact this season. Uh, but knowing what they do with those inside linebackers and, and Barrett Rude getting a chance to to groom him, uh, I think once uh, Henrich and Reimer move on, or, or maybe if there's an injury or two uh, or, or something like that, you, you could see Hausman make an impact pretty soon uh, as well. And my sleeper uh, out of the state of Nebraska, out of Millard South, Gage Stenger. Uh, he's I think that's a good one. Yeah, there, he's got a lot of versatility. Can play on either side of the ball. And I, I just think that he's going to be tough to keep off the field once he gets into the weight room, once he starts to develop under whichever position he de- he ends up sticking with. So uh, it, we, we both have Palmer, Thompson, Brown, and Hill. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Hausman as a sleeper. Yeah. And then I've got Hausman in my six. And then we went, we both have a running back. And and then I went with Gage Stinger, and you have Brian Bussini. I, I thought about putting a you know maybe maybe punter or kicker on there, yeah. but I just don't know enough about. I, I mean, they're probably both going to start Bleak Road and Bussini, but um, at any rate, th- those are the those are the super sixes. And By the way, Thompson does have two years of eligibility okay. remaining, of course. So and and if you look at these, uh, I so looking at mine, transfer, 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 junior college, true freshman. And and yours are exactly. I don't know even know if you have a true freshman in yours. Do you? AJ Allen. Yeah. AJ. Okay. AJ Allen's your AJ Allen. Freshman. But then the rest are um, not true freshmen until you get to Houseman as a sleeper. As your sleeper. Yeah. So and I don't. That's. I mean, those guys are more proven. I think that's probably the trend you're going to start to see with, or maybe you already see with super sixes out there is a lot of these guys that are in this in this you know in, in the group of incoming guys are going to have experience and potentially at the power 5 level like Trey Palmer, Casey Thompson, Tommy Hill. Mm-hmm. So those guys are obviously more well positioned and they have more of a track record that you can look at. You're not you're not basing it on, you know, their their senior season tape against, you know, roast beef whoever <laughs> across the street. So those those are those are your super sixes. And I I think I think there's pretty exci- there's reason for excitement for this spring just because you might have a quarterback battle, maybe, maybe not. Uh, you certainly have a lot of positions up for grabs, though. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of intrigue going into the spring, more than what you thought it would have been yeah. um, after the Black Friday loss. Yeah. Uh, reminder, you've got Husker men's basketball coming up today. Uh, noon tip, 11 a.m. pregame, Nebraska hosting Northwestern, going for that first Big Ten win of the season. <sighs> Can they do it? Tune in in, in just a short while. Also, I guess, congratulations to Zach Taylor. <laughs> beating the Chiefs and going Big to the Big congrats. Bowl. This is a... By the way, we have already claimed we are a Bengals station going into the Super Bowl. Fair enough. As long as you weren't last weekend. <laughs> All right. 